All right, folks, welcome into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets win over the LA Clippers on the road. Final score, 114-104. It really wasn't that close either. The Nuggets were in control of this one pretty much throughout. There were definitely times in the second quarter, in the third quarter, where the Clippers would get it a little bit closer. They got it close at the end, or at least relatively. But for the most part, this Nuggets team, they controlled the tempo. They controlled the pace, and any time the Clippers had a run in them, the Nuggets answered with one of their own. It was very, very impressive. This is a team that Even though the Clippers were without Paul George, were without Kawhi Leonard, this was a game that Denver had to have, and they earned it. They they got this win, and it didn't look relatively challenging for them. There were some things, like the Clippers hit some tough shots, and there's there's definitely some stuff to think about, like the Clippers also missed 15 free throws, so there's a possibility that this game would have been much closer had they hit their free throws. Actually, they would have won had they hit all of those free throws. However, I thought that Denver played pretty well. For the most part, the Clippers just could not handle what the Nuggets were doing on either end, and that was pretty much that. On this podcast, we are going to discuss the starters and the bench, and then we're going to go over in the third segment uh, how Denver has just kind of reached the apex of this particular segment of their season. They've, they've, They've gotten to the summit. It's downhill from here, and Denver has a long runway after this extensive road trip that they've been on, uh, kind of basically not sleeping anywhere for one night or two nights in a row, and certainly not in their own beds. So this is a really good thing for Denver, and they have definitely figured some things out. But we'll talk about that in the third segment for sure. If you can hear it in my voice, still getting over covid Uh, Still very congested, so I'm going to try to work through it, of course, but uh, if I sound horrible, my my apologies. I just knew I wanted to get up some content for this game uh, because they deserved it. The Nuggets deserve to be talked about for this one, and if we're going to talk about anybody, should probably start with Nikola Jokic. 19 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and a block was a plus 19 in his 32 minutes. And frankly, he was in control. He was in control throughout this game. He didn't take a shot in the second half. That's how in control he was. And he only finished with six assists. The Nuggets just found their ways to be productive. And it wasn't like a massive like game plan thing that he was not going to take shots. He was just playing within the flow of the offense, understanding what the team needed at that point. And Murray controlled the ball for a lot of the time, made some good decisions with the ball in his hands. And Aaron Gordon played really well. We'll get to him here soon. But Jokic, uh, you just go back and watch some of the plays, watch some of the reads that he's making. It's a cut above. He's just playing so well. And he continues to make it look very easy when his guys are around him. And even though Michael Porter wasn't out there, even though Bones Highland wasn't out there, You surround him with a starting lineup that has Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown, and Aaron Gordon, and he's got the the people to be able to run the offense that 
Denver needs him to run. And it looked great throughout. Uh, the primary starter minutes were featuring Murray and KCP. Those guys were plus 22 and plus 23 respectively. So this is just another example of how when Denver gets rolling with this group, they're going to be so, so hard to stop. So credit to them for sure. But also credit to Nicole Jokic, who stirs the drink. He makes sure everybody is set up as well as they possibly can be. Let's move to Jamal. 21 points on 21 shots. Not his best efficiency. Definitely, like I think he missed his final four shots or so. And then there were times throughout where it just felt like he, he was very close to hitting some of those. But there were also a couple that, that were maybe ill-advised at times. But I do think that he was in control, took the shots that he wanted to take. And uh, obviously, like he's working his way back and earning his way back into taking those shots. And he has to be one of those guys for Denver if they are going to go anywhere. And so I'm fine with him taking shots in a game like this where he's creating good looks for himself and in control and he only has one turnover. Like this was just a very strong performance from Jamal. And the way that he worked with Nikola Jokic in the two-man game tonight, again, just very, very competent. Uh, Murray, Jokic, they just seem to both love playing the Clippers. I don't know what it is about this team. I don't know what it is about the bubble or in any of the subsequent matchups, but it feels like anytime Murray and Jokic play against the Clippers, they go crazy. They go absolutely nuts. And it was more of the same tonight, although Aaron Gordon was the one who kind of soaked up most of the points, especially in the second half. It was just a very, very impressive performance from Denver's offense, the way that they were flowing from action to action. Everything that they were running seemed to get a good look. And Denver didn't even shoot it particularly well. Like they shot 33% from three tonight. They shot, they missed seven free throws. They went 16 of 23. They did go basically just under 50% from the field, which is fine. It's, it's pretty good. But the key for them and for the team as a whole, but especially the starters, was that they limited their turnovers. Six turnovers as a team, 10 offensive rebounds. And when you can outmatch your total turnovers with offensive rebounds and like gaining extra possessions, it's like you've increased the amount of possessions uh, so much more. Because a lot of times, like that's just the, the fundamental uh, math when it comes to possessions and having those. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling here. Um, either way, like Murray did a great job of controlling the tempo without turning the ball over. I thought Jokic got hit with a couple of uh, like not necessarily his fault turnovers, but uh, all of the guys played a coherent, cohesive brand of basketball. And none of them deserves more credit than Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was awesome. He deserves so much credit for the way that he has evolved and the way that his game has sort of morphed into exactly what the Nuggets wanted to be. 12 of 16 from the field for 29 points for Aaron Gordon, just 2 of 4 from 3, 
The threes he took, though, they were open. They were in rhythm. There was no question that he should take that shot because he's open and because he's now a competent three-point shooter. He's at this stage. He's 40%. Like, that's just who he is now. And that might change at, at some point, and he might go through a colder streak, and like he could be in a hot streak right now. There's no doubt about that. But ride it while you can, but don't overuse it. That's the that's the I think the punishment that he got into in the past, where he started to think that his game was evolving a little bit more than maybe it was. Now, everything is coming to him, and the Nuggets are making it so easy. Jokic, Murray, and a sneaky guy that's making it easy for Aaron Gordon is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown passes the ball so well. He cuts so well. He screens for everybody so well. He gets out in transition. Gordon riffs off of that. Those guys riff off of each other. And Bruce Brown being in the starting lineup, it felt very simple for what the Nuggets were asking those guys to do. But Gordon, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, deserves a lot of credit for his interior defense tonight. There's a reason why the Nuggets only gave up 104. Part of it was because the Clippers aren't a great offensive team in general, but they shot the hell out of the ball tonight in general. Like the real key for Denver was that on the possessions that were kind of 50-50, Gordon was the reason on a lot of those that the Clippers didn't score. And so he creates either a turnover or blocks a shot at the rim or gets his hand on a ball that he probably shouldn't have. And that's exactly what you need. That's just the most important thing for a defense like Denver's. They've got to be in the right place at the right time. Gordon was there. He was rotating on time and on target. And that's what you need from the low man. That's what you need from the rotation guy. So you hope that Michael Porter is watching that and can continue to do that. I think he's improved in his overall rotation defense. But if Gordon is the role man, or if he's the low man, he has to commit to it. This was the first time that you could see Gordon kind of evolving into that Paul Millsap type role where he is performing really well as a help defender, as not just a man defender, but a help defender and deserves a lot of credit for that for sure. I mentioned him, but Bruce Brown starting in place of Michael Porter tonight, low usage night for him, eight points, four of seven from the field. 0 of 2 from 3, but that means he went 4 of 5 from 2. And he just has so many impressive floaters in his arsenal. There's a lot of shots that he takes that are pretty difficult, but he's been converting them at, I think, an above average rate. Because he goes to those shots pretty frequently, his overall efficiency probably isn't going to show it as well. But he hit those shots tonight. Also added 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Did have 5 fouls, but he had 1 turnover was a plus 12 tonight in 31 minutes, especially when he's staggering with the bench as much as he is. That's great. That is a great, great thing. And then finally, KCP. Six points, two of four from the field, one of two from three. Very low usage night for him. Thought that he wasn't great in his rotation defense, but he's also a guy that can kind of turn it on and off whenever he wants to. And I kind of get the sense that 
he got the sense that this was going to be one where you don't necessarily need to really turn it on until the third quarter. And that is where things kind of separate, I guess. But either way, uh, KCP, part of the formula was a plus 23 in his 31 minutes, despite not doing a whole heck of a lot in the production department. But him being out there, uh, just being a capable part of what the Nuggets are doing, that's helpful. Making sure that he's not making making mistakes, that's helpful. And so you hope they they can continue to do that. And I have to imagine that Denver's in a good position based off of what the starting lineup continues to do. And basically all of the variations of it that are uh, just kind of one guy off where it's Bruce Brown in place of MPJ or it's Bruce Brown in place of, in place of Jamal Murray. Maybe it's Bruce Brown in place of KCP at a, at a point. And we'll, we'll find that. We'll, we'll see if that's something that Denver gets around to at some point. But I am curious. I, I hope that Denver can sort of find more ways to get Bruce Brown on the court with Jokic. He's been staggering with the second unit too, uh, even when he's a starter. I'm not sure if that's what he should do all the time, but especially without Bones Highland out there. Uh, you gotta, like, you gotta do what you gotta do. So, either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss this bench unit, including another strong performance from Vlatko Chanchar. We'll be right back. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Want to tell you a little bit about Superbook Sports. They are the sponsor for this podcast and they are excited to let you know that football is back. It has been back for a while. Thanksgiving just came and went. There were a lot of good games played. I, I just saw a, a stat actually that the Giants Cowboys game, game had 42 million viewers, which is just nuts on Thanksgiving Day. But hey, uh, football is is what it is. And uh, Superbook, they're giving you an opportunity to bet on all of those games, all of the NBA games you want to, and awards, and parlays, and props, and basically whatever you want to. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to your hands, and they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Let's discuss the bench unit here real quick. Different group this time around because Ish Smith was back. Uh, also, Jamal Murray was back, and that certainly helps when you are trying to just bolster what, what the starters were doing, but it puts Davon Reed back with the second unit. And Denver ran out an initial lineup of Bruce Brown at point guard, Christian Brown, Davon Reed, Vlako Chanchar, and Zeke Naji. Now, that group wasn't playing great, and Christian Brown got the early hook. So they replaced him with Ish Smith, 
who had just gotten back healthy. Denver didn't look like they were going to initially play Ish Smith, but uh, Christian Brown, he certainly needed to be out there. Like, I, I don't think Christian Brown had a good game. Like, missed two free throws, was scored on multiple times by John Wall. There were possessions where he was dribbling and couldn't really do anything with the ball in his hands. I can understand why you want multiple creators out there with Bruce Brown, Ish Smith, and Davon Reed. And having all three of those guys around Vlatko and Zeke makes it easier to create offense. And to be fair, it was. It was it was definitely much easier after Ish Smith got back out there. Did Christian Brown get an unfair hook? Like, should Davon Reed have been the guy that had been taken out? Maybe. Probably. Probably. Let's be honest. I don't think Davon Reed has been very good. Two of seven tonight from the field. One of three from three. Did have four rebounds, including one offensive. The hustle rebound on the offensive rebound was very important. Uh, And he did have seven points. So it's not like it could have been worse. Definitely could have been worse. However, I do think that Christian Brown, as we get into some of these home stints, is going to be playing more than Davon Reed. I think that Denver's going to really try to get Christian Brown out there, get him some rhythm, some rotation at home. Maybe not on this final game of the road trip, but I can understand uh, why Davon was out there tonight specifically. Now, the rest of the bench unit, Bruce Brown, as I mentioned, he had some good assists while he was out there. Ish Smith, when he came into the game, made an immediate impact. One of his big moments was standing up Norman Powell in the post, and Norman Powell turns to fade away, shoot over the top of him, and Ish Smith just jumps up and blocks that thing, grabs the ball, runs the fast break, and lobs the pass over to Bruce Brown for a jam. The bench got super hyped. It was an awesome play, and it shows that, hey, Ish Smith knows how to play. He knows what he's doing, and there is no doubt that the Nuggets will be better if they have ball handlers, if they have creators. Now, there is a a bit of diminishing returns when it comes to, okay, you get a little bit smaller, take away some of your defense, but against the Clippers, that didn't really matter because the Clippers are just not a great offense. Now, they hit a lot of shots tonight. I'm not going to lie. John Wall went off. 23 points, 8 of 10 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 5 of 8 from the free throw line. He was a fantastic scorer, and he made a lot of tough shots. So it's not like – like it is what it is because if, if you have him take those tough shots and then he makes them, then okay, he makes them. But the bench wasn't giving up easy shots which I think is the the key here. Ish Smith was helping that. Uh, Bruce Brown was helping that from staggering with the from the starting unit to the second unit. Davon Reed was out there, not necessarily the, the focal point of anything, but he was out there. And the key guy, once again, was Vlaco Chanchar. Somehow, some way, Vlaco plays 25 minutes. He's at plus 10. Not necessarily entirely because of what he did with the bench unit, but mostly because of what he did with the starters. He was out there and had some overlap with the starters in, I think, all four quarters, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
yeah, first quarter, he he was the first sub off the bench. Third quarter, he was the sub off the bench. And then the fourth quarter, he was out there when the starters came back in and played some good minutes and had some good run. The key, though, was the beginning of the fourth quarter where the game was at least a little bit in doubt. You didn't know if the Clippers were going to be able to push it back. And it got to a point where I tweeted out, okay, Vlaco's not playing well. Not a lot of the bench is playing well. Not surprised that uh, this isn't going well because, I mean, look at what the bench unit that they're throwing out there. It's not exactly stellar, but uh, they're being bailed out because the Clippers were missing free throws at the time. The Clippers missed 15 free throws on the night. They shot 56% from the line, and that saved them. But then Vlatko took over. Uh, he blocked a shot at the rim. I think it was a John Wall drive to the rim and lay up in transition. And he just blocks that shot out of nowhere. Super hype play. And then he scores seven points in a row. And the Clippers are forced to take a timeout. And it's just one of those things that came out of nowhere. I had tweeted about Vlaco negatively. And it just completely reversed jinxed once again. Seemed to have a preternatural gift of that. And it just seems like Vlaco is playing at a different pace right now, is playing in a different uh, energy where he is finding more ways to be successful and fitting in really well with what the Nuggets want to do. He knows where to be on the floor. He understands what the Nuggets are trying to accomplish. And now he's making defensive plays too, which is something that he didn't really do before. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for Vlaco to see if he can continue to keep this up. Because at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I was thinking, eh, probably not. Like he had a he had a flash in the pan game on Wednesday. Not necessarily something he could he could replicate. And then lo and behold, he rattles off seven points in a block in the in the flash of an eye. And somehow he's he's back out there. Finished with 13 points on four of nine from the field, two of four from three. Three of four from the line, two assists, one steal, one block, one turnover, was a plus 10 on a night where the rest of the bench, the next highest was Davon Reed at plus three. Everybody else was decidedly negative. So that is a really interesting stat, in my opinion, and shows that Vlaco, he can help what the Nuggets are doing. Maybe it's just this situation, but if he's a situational rotation player, Okay, that's fine. I think everybody should be. Zeke Naji also deserves some credit. I thought that he played pretty well even when he was going up against Zubac. Zubac did not have a good game. Zubac was a minus 22 tonight, and it wasn't entirely because he matched up with Jokic. Like, he was out there against Naji at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Zubac finished with 29 points, 2 of 6 from the field, Six points, nine rebounds. Nicholas Batum was the backup center at times. Moses Brown came in and was the garbage time center. But with the way the Clippers play, you knew that DeAndre Jordan couldn't be out there because the Clippers like to go small. They like to switch. They like to play with pace. They're going to attack your weaknesses. And so Denver needed somebody who could switch as well. And I thought Zeke Naji played really well. On defense, I thought he commanded things pretty well and was just a nice anchor for what the Nuggets were trying to do. Now, it's funny. 
uh, he didn't rebound well again. Two rebounds. Davon Reed had four. Ish Smith had one. And the entire team had 37. And the LA Clippers had 33. So I'm not even really sure what to think about the rebounding at this point. Denver keeps winning the rebounding battle. I'm pretty sure it's just because they dominate it when Jokic and Gordon are out there. And then they're still bad when the bench is out there. But I don't think that Zeke's size is really hurting the Nuggets on the glass as much as maybe people thought. Now, other people have to be conscientious of that. Like the Nuggets teammates, when Zeke Naji is out there, they're all going to have to gang rebound. But it's fine. Like, here's the thing. The bench that the Clippers threw out there, they didn't miss a lot of shots. So there weren't a lot of available rebounds anyway. And they grabbed four offensive rebounds, including one from Nicholas Batum. So it's not like they had a lot of uh, offensive rebounds while Denver had few defensive rebounds. This was entirely a situation where there weren't a lot of rebounds available. Either they turned the ball over, were fouled, or made a shot. So it's interesting to think about, but I was pretty impressed with what Zeke Naji did, and he continues to earn more and more playtime. Deserves a lot of credit for that. Look, overall, Denver could have been better at various points throughout this game, but this was pretty much a wire-to-wire win, where it never felt like Denver was out of control of what they needed to do. They were always, like like at times, Denver needed to take a timeout, but I think a good encapsulation of how well this game went for Denver was that Michael Malone committed a rage timeout at six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it was his fourth to last timeout. He still had three remaining after the rage timeout. That is not usual. Usually in that situation, he'll have one left after that, or maybe two. Sometimes he'll use his final timeout in situations like that. But he kept all of his timeouts throughout the game, didn't have to stop the play much for anything, and the Clippers were on their heels most of the time. Any run that the Clippers made, the Nuggets pretty much answered in kind. So very much Denver gets a lot of credit for what they did, and they deserve a lot. Only six turnovers compared to 14 for LA, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Denver didn't, but they still managed to get this win. That was a very impressive victory. All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss what this team looks like now that they finish this hellacious stretch. We'll be right back. All right, final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about how this was probably, maybe, perhaps, I won't won't go as far as probably, the toughest stretch of the season for the Nuggets. This first 19 games that the Nuggets have played, they haven't played a bunch of back-to-backs or anything like that, but what they have done is they've had to navigate this very difficult road schedule 
where you go back and forth. You spend multiple nights traveling from city to city. You come back, you play a game or two at home. You go back out on the road. You go through the same process. It's just exhausting. And as somebody who covers the team, like I, I didn't go out on these, but I'm, I'm recovering from COVID right now, so obviously I didn't. But it is hard to keep up with it sometimes where you're just going through the process and, and you get into a routine. And I think these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing, but it's tough. It's, it's just a tough thing, especially early on in the season where you're away from your family as much as you are. 13 games on the road out of your first 19 is difficult, no matter who the opponents are. And Denver's had to play some tough games. Like they went to Boston. They, were, they probably weren't going to win that game, and, and they didn't. Uh, they went to Dallas for two games. They probably should have lost both of those games, and they somehow came out with one. They've gone to some tough places to play. Golden State. Golden State has lost one game at home. It's to the Nuggets. Like, they've gone to some tough places, even though some of the other places aren't so tough. To be 8-5 and five on the road is a real credit to the veteran nature of this team, to the professional approach, and to the coaching. Because that's what like good coaches stress at the beginning of these seasons where you just know that you have to get off to the you have to get off to a great start. And Malone had been talking about this. He talked about this like even dating back to training camp. He knew that this was coming. And he was adamant about how important the first 19 games were of the season. And for Denver to have gone 8 and 5 on the road, Four and two at home. They probably should have gone five and one or six and no at home, honestly. But to get the record that they did, 12 and seven, is a strong testament to who they are. They can't control anything else other than themselves. It is not on them that the rest of the the rest of the entire NBA outside of the Boston Celtics seems to have forgotten how to win. But Denver is a half game out of first place in the West. They are second in the Western Conference outright. They are plus six in Doug Moe, which is road wins minus home losses. They have eight road wins, two home losses, plus six. And as I've mentioned previously on this podcast, you get up to about plus 15 and you're in great shape. It takes time to get up to that point and Denver's still... Like they're about to hit the quarter mark of their season, but they're on pace. Like they've done a great job here. So you've got 28 road games remaining. You've got 35 home games remaining. But the real kicker is this one 20 of Denver's next 28 games are at home. They'll have 20 home games, eight road games. That is across about a two month stretch from late November to late January. That is a good, good thing because Denver's goals during these first 19 games were completely different from the goals of the next 28. Through the first 19, you didn't know what you were going to get from Murray and Porter. You had your guesses based off of what they looked like in training camp, based off of what they looked like in preseason, 
but they've been better than advertised. Murray's been a little bit slower than Porter, but Murray's still finding ways to contribute, and he looked good on both ends of the floor tonight, especially defensively. Got to give him credit. Like He found out how to do some things defensively and continues to improve on that end for sure. But the rest of the team, they're also trying to figure things out. Got a whole bunch of new guys trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Jokic wasn't scoring as much at the beginning, and that I think uh, it, it lost Denver maybe one extra game at the beginning of the year. However, he has turned it on, especially in November, and just been fantastic. Denver deserves a like, or Jokic deserves a lot of credit for putting this team on his back a little bit, not necessarily in the full-on scoring department, but just being the all-everything that the team needs consistently. He's been great. But Aaron Gordon has stepped up. Bruce Brown has stepped up. KCP has stepped up. KCP has had a bad last couple of games, but he was freaking awesome for the first 15 or so. And so Denver has survived. Through 19 games, they are 12-7 and and second in the West. Now, you get into a softer part of your schedule. Not necessarily from a strength of schedule standpoint, but from a kind of organic uh, standpoint where how are these games coming to you? How are they being presented to you? They're at home. You get some rest. You're in rhythm. uh, You get to work on things. This is a situation where Denver is going to be able to go on a run. I have very little doubt that they can do this. Whether they will or not is another question. But the goal of the next 28 games is a bit different than the first 19. The first 19 you wanted to survive. Next 28, you really want to find ways to thrive, not necessarily just surviving. Because surviving, you're just trying to like break 500. Thriving means that you can go on some five, six, seven game win streaks here. I think that among other things, Denver's got to find out what Christian Brown, Vlako Chanchar, and Zeke Naji can do. I didn't include Vlako Chanchar at first from that, but the way that he's played over these last two, I think you got to keep riding with the dude. I think you got to keep seeing what he can provide. He's doing exactly what the team is asking of him. And if he can continue doing that over a month-long stretch, then maybe your rotation is a little bit different than you think it should be. And Zeke Naji, same thing. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities as the center in comparison to DeAndre Jordan. Like Jordan has played, let me just go through uh, the game logs here. DeAndre Jordan has played 15 games for Denver. He started three of them. Denver's played 19, so DeAndre Jordan's been the center for most of those games, or the backup center even. So it's not been Zeke, but Denver's finding a way to be successful with Zeke outside of garbage time. They've got to find ways to get all three of those guys rolling. The rookie, Christian Brown, it makes a lot of sense to get him rolling. Vlaco, Zeke, see what they can do in a very controlled setting. And then Bones, same thing. He's been out over these last two. He's been in and out of the lineup, a little bit inconsistent when it comes to basically everything other than three-point shooting. So 
get him rolling the same direction. See if you can find a, a couple units that you like. And then roll with it. I think Denver's got to find a combo of starters, of second unit guys, just various groups that they like, that they feel good about, that if you go into a season with, then you're going to be fine. I think um, finding those combinations are important for playoff context, where you're going to be put into adverse situations and you're going to have to figure it out. Sometimes Murray's going to be in foul trouble. Sometimes Porter can't be played. Sometimes Jokic, maybe he rolls an ankle. Like you're going to have to find ways to have all of these guys contribute and find out which guys are up to the task. So that's what the next 28 games are about, in my opinion. You want to go on a roll, and maybe that means more just like rolling with a good thing. I personally would still like tinker. I would still try to find different things, not necessarily rely on one singular thing for the next 28 games. Because if you do that, then teams are eventually going to scout that. And they're going to take that away. And then you're going to be left with whatever. So find other ways to be successful too. But you find those combos. You find those lineups that you like. And then you win. You legit try to win every game. Sometimes, like I know Denver's trying to win every game when they play. And through the first 19 games, I feel like they could have won every game. Maybe not in Boston. Maybe not in Portland when Anthony Simons was just going Super Saiyan. But honestly, I think Denver kind of let that happen to them. And then Boston is a little bit different. But other than that, Denver's been, they've been available. They've been capable. It hasn't been like, okay, there's been a, there haven't been any no doubt or losses. Like it's actually, well, Dallas, Dallas was one, but okay, you're without your top three starters. Like, come on. But you can legit try to go 28 and no. During these next 28 games, you take that mentality into it and the end result will be great. You don't necessarily do that because like you don't, or you don't necessarily actually go 28 and no, or like you, you might have to sit some guys here or there. You might have to continue resting Michael Porter or Jamal. Like Jamal is probably not going to play a bunch of back-to-backs. I think Denver's got at least four, five back-to-backs in that stretch. So there will be some games that Murray doesn't play. But Denver, as long as they have, say, Ish Smith, Bruce Brown, Bones Highland, they have a combination of those guys, they'll be fine. They'll be fine in those situations. They know how to win. They know how to play. And you take that mentality into it that no matter who you have out there, You can win with that group. And if Denver does go for it, and if they win a lot of games, they're going to set themselves up so well for when like All-Star break kind of rolls around. Because All-Star break is going to be about 10 games after that uh, home stretch ends. So you get to that, and then you're golden. You are in a great spot. So, prediction time. Over the next 28 games, 
what is Denver's record going to be? I'm going to predict 21 and 7. The floor, I think, is about 15 and 13. Not quite 500. I think Denver's more talented than that. But that would make Denver 27 and 20. If they went 15 and 13, add that to their 12 and 7 record, they're 27 and 20. That's not good enough. That's about where Denver was last year. Denver ceiling, 23 and 5 during that stretch, that would make them 35 and 12 on the year up to that point. If they were 35 and 12 in 28 games, my gosh, that would be that would be quite something. They would be in position where they'd probably have the one seed. Now, I don't think that that is going to happen. Nor do I think Denver should try to shoot for the absolute seal. I mean, actually, that's not true. I said that they should try to win every game. They should go into it trying to win every game, even if they don't like have their entire complement of players. But my prediction is that they're closer to the ceiling than they are the floor. 21 and 7 is not outrageous because they are going to be in a position where even the road games that they have to play during that stretch, they're just like one game road trips or maybe two game road trips. And Denver is going to be able to really gear up for that one, kind of mentally prepare themselves. It's not going to be at the end of a road trip, it's going to be the beginning of one. And so Denver, they're going to have an opportunity. And as long as they keep their heads, as long as they stay professional, as long as they stay rolling, there's no reason why they can't be 33 and 14 at the end of these 47 games. And if they are, they're going to set themselves up for great positioning. You do not have to worry at that point about seeding that much. You're going to get a top two, top three seed, and you can just coast at that point. You can try different things. You can play different combinations, maybe rest guys a little bit more. But I do think Denver should push during this stretch, see what they can do, because if you can do something crazy, it sets sets you up just so well, so well. I think it would give Denver the confidence that they need that they could seriously compete for a title. You defeat the teams that you're trying to beat, whether it's Phoenix or Golden State or Dallas or the Clippers like tonight, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a great, great time. So we will see. But for now, That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Apologies for not having a ton of episodes up this week. I have been sick, as you know. Hopefully, I will be better when the new week rolls around. We will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, talk to you guys next week. Peace.